Brought to you by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. And now get 15% off your first rental when you use the promo code WEEKEND. Call 347-721-3400 or email info at JMRNY.com for details. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and today on the program, we're talking about working with actors. I spoke a little bit about this in our no-budget filmmaking episode, but today we're going to do a bit of a deep dive on that subject. And to help me do that, joining me via Zoom, she is an accomplished actor and the star of our film, Sonnet 23, Miss Emmeline Pryor. Welcome, Emmeline. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to see you. Uh, nice we, to see you too. I mean, uh, you know, we see each other via Zoom uh, most of the time. Yeah. But we did get to work together on a couple of projects, which is cool. So I want to talk about, um, you know, kind of how we work together and, uh, you know, the experience that you had and kind of uh, what it's like to work together on these small projects and how they can be uh, of use to both the filmmaker and the actor but first i want to talk to you about you uh, and just uh, give me a little bit about your background uh how did you get into the old show business and uh, what is your origin story how did i get into the business of show well i am not from the american shores as i expect you can hear i grew up in cornwall england and um you know i had parents that loved theater and a family that was really into the arts and all that kind of thing and uh, like a lot of people before i came to uh, making film and TV and that kind of thing, you know, started in theatre from a young kid, anything, school productions, church productions. Then when I was at college, it was all, you know, being part of the theatre group at college and that kind of thing. And I went to the University of Leeds and they actually had a very kind of strong theatre department. And then as I was finishing my my college course, then it was kind of, is this a thing this playing games? Could I actually do this for a living? Is this something I could do as a career? So having done already a, a university course for four years, I then uh, went to London town and I trained to be a professional actor. So my background in, in the UK was mostly in theatre, although I did do a little bit of uh, TV and short films and things, but I did mostly theatre. So now you're, uh, you're here in the USA. You've been here for a little while. I have. We first met last year. Uh, the worst year to meet anybody. Yes. And, um, we did a uh, we did a pilot together. Uh, we did a project called BTRP TV. Uh, that project is in uh, film festival consideration right now, so I can't talk too much about it. We did go to one fest in uh, Catskill. Film did really well. We won an award. That was awesome. Um, I think it was cool and it worked out. And I really like working with you. So I think we had like coffee or something, and we talked about. Uh, you had a Shakespeare background and done, had done theater in England. And I think yep. that, that stuck somewhere to the, the, the back of my psyche. When I came up with this idea, which was based on the sonnet slam, the Shakespeare's birthday sonnet slam that happens every year, I thought about making a film for it. And then I realized that we were never going to hit that deadline. But uh, we found that sonnet and then I told you about it. Um, and I just like... From your point of view, what was that like initial discussion like? How, what was your what was your initial impression of the project? I can't remember exactly. You contacted me about 
working on some projects after we'd already done the first project together and I'd had a great time and I was like okay yeah great I'm you know up for whatever and then I think you said Shakespeare and I was like yes Shakespeare you know I just anything to do with Shakespeare that's my background I'm a teaching artist at Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London I, I was before the pandemic I do storytelling at Shakespeare's Globe and you know I've just done so much Shakespeare so Shakespeare is the gift that keeps on giving it's you can never get you can never get bored of it I could do Shakespeare for my entire life and just still love doing it so just the fact that you said it was going to be Shakespeare the fact that we'd already worked together you know I just I really wanted to do it straight away but I was very interested in the format it was going to be because even though I am experienced in Shakespeare I don't know that um I've ever done any on film actually until I worked with you so it was kind of mixing you know my theater life and that genre with um you know camera work which I'm actually more new to I've done a lot of camera work but that's only really been over the last couple of years so it's interesting mixing the two you know initial discussion were kind of like I think the hardest thing was um interpreting a sonnet uh and trying to dramatize it and make it a story uh and yeah. and, and you know and I you know I realized right away that I couldn't take it literally like I couldn't just come up with literal images of you know an imperfect actor on the stage and and I've because I've seen I've, we've all seen bad Shakespeare you know yes and um, I didn't want it to do that so um, we kind of came up with this I came up with this this sort of this story of a very kind of simple story structure and you know I, and I was thinking about as I said in the the no budget filmmaking episode this way that we could do it and kind of shoot it in a day and not kill ourselves, um, but, you know, make it look good. And, you know, but I knew that if I'm willing to have one actor in the piece, it's got to be, the acting's got to be strong. Like, oh. And I didn't know that many people who could kind of fit what I was looking for in mm -hmm. the character. And, um, you know, I had this idea of her being like Helena Bottom Carter-esque, like dressing sort of like a barmy crazy lady from England. Yes. And having her be quite eccentric and, uh, you know, the whole uh, kind of image of it sort of just kind of came to me. And then yes. I thought, you know, who do I know who could do that? <laughs> you know, I wasn't I wasn't like profiling you based on the fact that you're British. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, she's she's English. She could do Shakespeare. Talk So talk a little bit about like how we kind of came up with a character and like what you were the the exchange that we had. Sure. Well, I do remember the um, Helena Bonham Carter reference. And, you know, obviously she's just a wonderful, fantastic actress, uh, rather eccentric sometimes in her appearance and so on. And I do remember you saying, like, you asking me to send you some wardrobe choices. And you said something about, you know, the, the clothes she wears are a bit crazy. And I sent you a few pictures and I think you texted back something like, not that crazy. Because <laughs> a couple of them I did look a little bit like, you know, it was too much. But that was probably my theatre background where I went a little bit, I thought I was still within the realms of something, you know, a bit eccentric, but actually I'd gone completely, you know, too far. But um, that was fun. Just like, honestly, just looking at the costumes and working out that she was going to be a little bit quirky was really fun. I do remember the actual, um, creating the character to me actually wasn't difficult because eccentric English woman isn't 100% 100% uh, of a stretch for me but I do remember what was quite difficult is you know having we did a few rehearsals didn't we and I had the kind of rhythm of the poem sort of 
entrenched really and it was hard for me because the rhythm of the poem wasn't actually what you wanted for this piece which I totally understand but as someone with a background in Shakespeare and you know having taught iambic pentameter at Shakespeare's Globe and this, that has a very specific rhythm and it's a very you know it's a very clear um, particular way that it's done I remember we did do a few reads where I just I kept I kept reading it like a poem rather than it being a living piece. And obviously you wanted it to be a living piece of this slightly eccentric lady trying to eat a sandwich and, and getting a bit stressed. And, and in the end, I think it did really work, but I had to get out of that. I was trying to read it like, you know, this is me reading a very serious piece of poetry. The thing about, you know, sort of, you know, reinterpreting, reinterpreting something like that is there is a, um, it's been around for like 400 plus years. And sonnets in particular are a very strong structure of poem. We wanted it to be kind of like a stream of consciousness. Yes. Like this is what she was thinking. And I remember we had come up with the idea of like it being a mantra for her. Yes. Like the first few lines when she's standing there trying to calm herself down. It's like, you know, somebody, you know, maybe a shrink gave her this as an instructional thing. Yes. Like when, you, when you're feeling stressed, recite this poem in your head. Yeah. And then we kind of turned it in from that into a thought process where it became, first it became a recited mantra, then it became a stream of consciousness. And then finally it becomes a communication in her answer to yes. uh, the guy who's texting her. For you, I don't know if it was, was this your first experience doing, I know you've done voice work, but is this your first experience doing ADR that we had to do and doing voiceover type yes. narration? I, because I told- Yes, I, it was. The, the process was like, because we did what I call the scratch track, which is where you just kind of did it and we kind of experimented. But I said, no, we're going to have to do it again where you watch the film and then you're going to have to, recapture that performance in the voiceover yeah. which is not easy not all actors can do that it you, was not easy and you were very 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 patient with me well i know how hard it is when we were shooting on the day that last bit where she's sending the message i was typing into the phone and in my head i was saying those words at a at a kind of regular speed so when we're doing the adr i'm thinking those words must fit my mouth because I was, I was saying them. I was saying those exact words as I was doing the phone acting, and then on the ADR, I was like, "Why, why can't I make this fit exactly?" It was, you know, it was a really good learning experience. You know, that in itself, it, it's the reason why film acting is is different than stage acting. As an actor in general, when you're working with a director, do you like rehearsal? Do I like rehearsal? My goodness, what a loaded question. Um, I mean, I'm everything now is under, you know, the shadow of COVID. So what's happened is I have done, um, you know, a few bits of film work and stuff where we've had really quite long and extensive rehearsals, but because of COVID, they had to be over Zoom. And, you know, the crews were lovely and the people were lovely and the cast were lovely. For me personally, if I'm going to film something, you know, physically and be on set, I don't need loads and loads and loads of rehearsals over Zoom. When we're on set or when we're on location, it's great to have a rehearsal just to get the movements into your body and to help with the timings and, you know, obviously to camera angles or the more technical side of it. But in terms of like kind of finding the character and that sort of thing, I find just rehearsing over Zoom, like endless rehearsals over Zoom a bit, for me, not very helpful. When you're doing a project like this where you don't have um, a ton of time and you're not spending a ton of money on it, you know, it's one thing. It's like, you know, actors will love to rehearse if you're paying them for two weeks of rehearsal. 
But, you know, when, you, when you're doing a project like this and you're trying to shoot everybody out in the day, that doesn't give you the right to spend two weeks rehearsing with them. You know, like, don't yeah. do a project. In my opinion, if you're going to work to be respectful of everybody, I think the first thing of making a no-budget production is be respectful of everybody's time, um, especially I the agree. actors, because they have other things that, to do, and hopefully they're auditioning for other projects. And if they're working with you, they're not auditioning for other projects that they could possibly get paid for. So you have to make sure it's worth it, you know? So, like, you know, my rules are, like, don't shoot more than a day or two. Make sure you get people's stuff back in a reasonable amount of time. Don't hold on to a project for five years because that's what they're doing it for. They're doing it for the real. So make sure that yeah. you can, you know, give them something solid for a real. Is there something that you found that, you know, works for you as far as working with a director and that you want from a director? I think your point about not making the actors work a ridiculous amount of hours unless you're paying them for, for a ridiculous amount of hours is very important. You know, there was a point where I was feeling that the lesser job was paid, the more out, it was sort of exponential. The more hours you were expected to work, you know, the smaller the project. Um, well, is there something that, like, in terms of working with a director, like, I mean, I remember I heard, I saw an interview with uh, Anthony Hopkins mm. year, years ago, and uh, I think he was doing uh, Titus Andronicus at the movie for, for uh, uh, he was doing the movie of, of Titus. And they, they said, what do you want from a director? And he said, I want someone to look at my performance and say, faster or slower. <laughs> like, you know, yes. like he said, uh, he's like, I, you know, like, and for me, um, if I do 20 takes, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Yes. You know, um, so, you know, if we can't get it in five takes, we're doing something wrong. Now, he's never worked with Stanley Kubrick, who did, you know, 15 to 25 takes yeah, routinely, yeah. Uh, or David Fincher, who, you know, does that. I don't really believe in doing that, but everybody's different. Uh, also, you know, I'm, I'm not making David Fincher money, so maybe if I am one day, <laughs> I can, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make somebody do 20 takes. <laughs> but, you know, is it, in terms of that, like, in terms of, like, the physical, like, working and the working relationship, like, what do you... What do you? Yeah. What What's been beneficial and what's maybe been not beneficial? I guess is the question. I mean, in in terms of practical stuff, in terms of an actor's time, an actor's expertise, and an actor's energy, if you are working on a low budget or no budget production, it's you know making the actor feel um, valued, offering them something like you do. You do your wonderful headshots, and um, you know, and just. Uh, being reasonable with what you ask of the actor I mean I did do a little thing for um a lady that was a sort of animation and it was a very you know it was no, no money which was fine but I was just called for so many so many so many rehearsals and I'd found one or two ways of, of doing the voice uh in a way that the lady likes and I thought surely the rehearsals are finished now and then I think I got another link to another rehearsal you know for like a 20 second script and I was asked do you want to rehearse this this time and go through it all again improvising the script and I just said no because it gets to a point where you know the person was very nice and are quite young in the industry so maybe that's just their lack of understanding that this is my profession this is what I do for a living and after my fourth or fifth rehearsal when I've already given you perfect versions that you already like I'm not going to, why would I want to spend an hour of my life improvising? You know, I just, it's just, I just don't have time for it in the nicest possible way. Uh, on a more practical level on set, I'm totally with Anthony Hopkins, really just um, any directions that are just 
easy to follow, clear. Um, you know, of course, because sometimes the director has a very, very clear idea, but doesn't necessarily uh, vocalize it very clearly. And a director saying, Emmeline, please do that faster. You know, that's a direction I can act on very easily. If a director says, what I was really going for is she's longing for this, but she was hoping for that. And then when she was remembering what happened to her brother five years ago, and then this is what that I'm not saying that's not a valid opinion from the director, but it's not something the actor can easily put into practice. And it doesn't matter whether you're a famous actor, whether you're an amateur actor, whether you're Anthony Hopkins, whether you're rich and famous, you know, if a director gives you a direction that's easy, just easy to act on straight away, that just makes the whole process so much quicker. One of the things that uh, an actor taught me was uh, you can only play an action. You, you can't play emotion, you can't play a mood, you can only, you have to give them something to do. Like you mm -hmm. have to give them something solid that's like, okay, this is what your action is. And then you can interpret that action and the, hopefully the emotion part of it will come out naturally so mm -hmm. that you're, you know, like you have like, you, like say you're, you know, you're doing something, say you're really angry at somebody and, you know, uh, you want to leave um, the, you know, you want to leave your boyfriend or whatever, and you're packing a suitcase. Um, you know, people have done that, but you know, the action of packing the suitcase will get all the receiving end of your anger. And yes. you could play that for comedy. You could play that for drama. You could, there's different ways that you can play it, but the doing that action and doing those different things, first of all, it makes it much more realistic because in yeah. real life, most people just don't stand and scream at each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's also just more interesting visually, you know, it's yeah. like working in a visual medium uh, and you want to give something to do. And, you know, for this film, we had you work with props a bit, which yeah. is pain. Um, and, you know, I always tell people don't put too many props in something. Or if you're an actor and you're going to work with props, rehearse with them before so that you don't get all, you know, messed up on the day trying like, cause it's a juggling act like this, yes. th this, for this one, you had the sandwich, you had a bag, you had a phone, you had a book, you had all this different uh, business going on. It was quite poppy. Uh, but like it all worked because, yeah. you know, we planned it out and you knew kind of, you know, and by the time we got on set, I don't think you had any problem of like, Oh no, I should be picking up the book now. Or I got the thing, you know, it's like, but the action of like, the simple action of her trying to eat a sandwich and, you yes. know, and then looking back, like that's where the joke comes from. Yeah. And, you know, if you were just sitting there thinking to yourself, it would give you a lot less motivation and give you a lot less to do and yeah. be a lot less interesting. So, yeah. you know, like I, I, from, for, you know, for me working with actors, I always tell people, just give somebody, give someone a solid action that they can play and, and make sure yeah. they have stuff to do um, that they can channel their energy into. I, t I mean, I do agree Like uh, that giving someone a very simple and clear action is very helpful. I I'm not an actor. I don't mind being given an emotion, actually. I know some actors don't like it, but I don't mind at all the director saying to me, happier, sadder, angrier. I, for me, I don't mind that. It's my job. If the director thinks I need to look more angry, I'll look more angry. What I don't like is sometimes the director is giving me a long explanation of why or who or or what she's thinking and then it you start you kind of your brain turns off halfway through the explanation whereas if the director had just said to me can you really bang that table with your fist or can you be more angry i find just anything that's an easy direction to act on yeah i i think you know the the thing about the thing that i find a lot of 
lesser, let's just say lesser experienced directors, mm. you talk too much. Uh, and you, you say too much in general because you're trying to give uh, this grand reason for something that may not yes. exist. You're trying to apply meaning uh, often when you're a young writer director, your material yeah. sucks and you're trying to make it better than the, the material you wrote. And it probably should have been cooked longer. <laughs> like you, you should spend more time on the script. You know, in general, I found that when I was a young director, I talked a lot, you know, and I was always like, blah, 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 blah. And now it's like, you know, how much did I actually talk to you when we were, when we were filming? Oh yeah. Not a great deal. But that's yeah. good. Yeah. So like, cause I didn't have to, <laughs> you know, like we knew we, we, we had done a little bit of rehearsal. You knew what you were doing. So by the time we got there on the day, yeah, you know, and we're, you know, we're still in locations and stuff too. Like we don't have hours and hours to spend on these places. So like, you just like, all right, she knows what to do. Just let her do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, and a lot of times the hard part is just shutting up and getting out of the way. I totally agree. I mean, once, the actor is the last, you know, in a way, the actor's just got to turn up and do their job. And as long as the director communicates on the day clearly what they want, you know, there's a, um, I have a casting director friend. I'm trying to remember what he says that the four B's or the five B's, I don't, is this an American thing? It's be on time, be good, be something, be gone. And I'm like, yeah, that's just it for an actor. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it's, you know, be on time, be good, be gone were the three big ones anyway. It's a Spencer Tracy who has, you know, uh, had, you know, two two Oscars in a row. Um, he, he said, you know, show up on time, don't trip over the furniture and know your lines. Yes. You know, like. We have a, a slight alteration of that in England. We say uh, face front and don't bump into the furniture for theatre. You know, when people start going off about how one has to find the character and how one has to be true to the moment and how one has to do this and how do that and. The answer is, no, laddie, you must just face front and don't move into the furniture. My favorite was um, Laurence Olivier talking to uh, Dustin Hoffman, a marathon man. There's a famous story about Dustin Hoffman who had spent, his character was supposed to have been up all night long. So before the shoot, he stayed up all night long. So he would look harried and tired. Laurence Olivier, sir, I think he was Lord Olivier at that point, looked at Mr. Hoffman and said, what have you done to yourself or something? And he went and he told, explained what he had done. And finally, he just said, why don't you just try acting? You know? <laughs> Like, that is a, actually a very famous story in, in Britain too. Yeah. You know, and, and half the time, you know, like for, especially like if you're doing a no budget production, you know, I, like I said, keep it simple. Like mm. you should not have to give a dissertation for a movie that's five minutes or less. Like you should not have to, <laughs> you know, like you're, yes. you're, it's not, you know, you're not directing like Ethan Frome or like some, yeah. you know, it's not Jane Austen or Jane Eyre or any of that stuff. You know, like you're not going into this. And, you know, even with Shakespeare, I think part of the thing is that people just get so wrapped up in their head. Um, yeah. And they, they, you know, it's like this analysis paralysis thing that happens. Or, uh, yes. you know, it's like really just, you know, say, I mean, I found Shakespeare when I did it years ago, like if you say it like you mean it, that's all you got to do. All it's all yeah. in the words, kind of thing. But yeah. you know, um, people will beat it to death and kill it before they say it, and then you get really, really boring inter interpretations of Shakespeare. Um, yeah. We're gonna wrap up shortly, um, but um, if you um, if you have, uh, you, we're gonna look for your upcoming projects and so forth. 
But if we want to do that, where can we find you on the web, on social media, website, all that stuff? I'm on Instagram, just as Emmeline Pryor. And um, a wonderful man called uh, Peter Spence in Norway is building me a lovely website. He's a web designer and an animator. I've actually done some animation voiceover for him. And uh, he's super wonderful and one of these people that's just brilliant at everything. And he is building me a fantastic website. And it's not quite ready to launch, but it will be very soon. And it will just be emmelinepryor.com. I've got uh, a couple of feature films coming out, but I'm not sure when. They're in post-production. New York City is Dead and The Sisters Cardos, and a couple of shorts coming out, one of which I think is coming out very soon called The Gallerist, directed by um, Adam, Adam Hollebeck, and it's uh, beautiful. It's shot in black and white, and uh, I, I've only seen the trailer so far, but um, I'm really excited for it. I think he's managed to get some really, really beautiful footage. Glad you're busy. I hope you continue to work, even though we're you know not quite out of the pandemic yet, and we still have all these precautions and everything that we have to do but i'm glad that you're doing that i'm glad that you had a chance to work with me loved working with you both times i loved working with you and i hope we can do it again soon uh, but we got to wrap up and thank you all out there for taking this trip down the rabbit hole once again for more of our content including our movie reviews visit our website no rest of the weekend podcast.com don't forget to like rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast channels and now you can subscribe to us on youtube youtube.com slash Get Behind the Rabbit. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Emmeline Pryor, and our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.